0: before I speak this morning, I want to um, just share with the congregation the uh, results, if you would, of our election of elders and and share with you who um, will be ordained in January and in no particular order, Kelly Esseltine, Jason McLaughlin, Brian Rankema, and Colin Harbinson uh, will become your new elders. I want to thank uh, all the nominees uh, who let their names stand uh, for Um, election and and, and consideration Um, these were all are all wonderful wonderful people and that we're blessed to have uh, six people in our church to uh, to to let their names stand in the way that they have and we just ask that you'll continue to pray for our session as it reforms itself again we do this every two years and uh, ask that God would bless those who are going to step into leadership in an active way of our congregation let me let me just pray God, um, you know, as we sing that you alone are worthy and and as we sing that song, oh, come all you faithful. Oh, come all you faithful. We are called into your presence to know you and to love you and to worship you. Um, We're called as a church together, together, and and take the opportunities that come our way, uh, as has been described today, huge opportunities for a church to get active and engaged that the kingdom of God might come, that lives might be transformed as people hear and some believe the message of Christ. Lord, we think of of, uh, our session, we think of our leadership, our eldership, we pray that you would bless it. Pray that you would bless these four people who are stepping into it, that you would give them wisdom and understanding um, and godliness, God, to lead in the way that they are called to lead. All the elders, Father, to that end pray, Lord, that uh, this might be a season as we invite and as we share and as we celebrate together next weekend the coming of Jesus, that you will do a mighty thing among us and that lives will be changed for your glory. So, Lord, again, bless us as we think now of your word and, and the truth that it contains, and we pray that you would open our eyes, illuminate us, our God, we pray, that we might see and that we might believe. In this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I wonder as we approach Christmas, we're only a week and a day away, and then that season which follows, you know, those 12 days of Christmas. To what degree will you experience awe and wonder? You know, I think there are different uh, um, categories of people, I suppose, in our society. There are those who aren't necessarily believers in Jesus, and the day will come and go, and uh, they won't give them a a second thought. Uh, There's, if you would, disregard. For the person of Christ born in Bethlehem there are others and I think there are lots of people including followers of Jesus who will experience what I'm going to call the warm fuzzies you're gonna experience the warm fuzzies this year you know I don't know about you but you know we think of the manger scene we think of Mary and very often her head is glowing I'm not quite sure what that is all about but her head is glowing and she's sitting in front of the the manger where the child lies Joseph is standing almost protectively at her side there are the shepherds with their sheep. There are the wise men with their gowns and their gifts kneeling. And it's almost like you could just go, oh, isn't that sweet? Isn't that cute? Anybody experience that sort of thing? And, you know, that's not a bad thing in itself. But I, I want to suggest to you there's something else that we can encounter at Christmas time, And that is when we encounter the absolute wonder and joy of knowing that Jesus has come. Um... And I want to invite you into that today as we anticipate Christmas. It's almost like I want to set you up for it. If you'll listen, if you'll receive, if you'll believe what's written in this book, it can change the character and the nature of what we'll experience. It will be an experience of incredible faith and as a result, an experience of incredible joy. I want to take uh, you back again to Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. We looked at most of this passage last week, but I want to look at just verse 6 uh, today, because there the Messiah is identified, he is described as if you would this one who would come, this one whom we believe is Jesus, and he's called four things. If you would, he's named four things. He's given names by the inspiration of the Spirit of God through the prophet Isaiah. And you know, I want to remind you that n- naming of people in the Bible is a really, really significant thing. Think of the angel spoke to Joseph, Matthew chapter one, verse twenty-three the angel came to this man and said the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel which means God with us they will call him Emmanuel God with us in another part of that text it says that Jesus you were to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins the word Jesus means salvation the Lord saves God is saving in this person names are critically important and as we look at this text of, of not, uh, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, we're going to recognize that Jesus is named, and I hope and I pray that in some way the eyes of every single person in this church today that they'll be open, there'll be illumination happen in your life by the Spirit of God. Now let me read Isaiah 9, verse 6 to you, and we're going to focus on the latter part of this verse, of course, For unto us a child is born, and a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. What's your response to those descriptors of Jesus? Anything stir in your heart? Well, let me describe to you the content and, and, and bring application. Wonderful Counselor, a lot of academics, there's a debate. Is it, are there two names here, Wonderful and Counselor? Or is it one, Wonderful Counselor? Uh, And most people now are falling on the side that is one name, just as the New International Version has described it. Because it matches the pattern of the rest of the text. Mighty God, two words, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So Wonderful Counselor, this one born in Bethlehem would be that. This word wonderful has strong connotations of the idea that this one would be absolutely amazing. He would be remarkable. He would be filled with wonder. He would be awe-inspiring. That's who Jesus is to be to us. And he's to be this wonderful counselor, this incredible, capable, amazing one who can come and bring counsel. In the context that it's being written, this word is used of people who would be invited into the presence of the king in that day, and they'd be invited to advise the king. He he would give counsel to the king. Um, Significant decisions would need to be made for the king himself, for the nation. And people of incredible understanding and wisdom, the best of the best of the best, would be invited into the presence of this king to give wisdom, to give understanding, to inform the decisions that would be made so that the decisions would provide for the flourishing of the nation. My friends, that's the kind of counselor that the Messiah would be in the mind of Isaiah. And of course, this is the kind of person Jesus became. Even in his childhood, Jesus was an incredibly wise kid. Did you know that? Luke chapter two, verse 40 says this: "And the child grew and became strong. He was filled with what? Wisdom. And the grace of God was on him. The same chapter, verse 52, he said, "He grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and with people. He grew in wisdom. It became characteristic of who Jesus actually was. I want to tell you, this child born in Bethlehem, the ultimate advisor, the one with ultimate understanding, came into the world that we might know, that we might be advised. He was wonderful. He was amazing. He possessed all wisdom and understanding. And he came to Bethlehem. He came to this world. But I want to tell you, too, he came to you and me. He comes to you and me still and he is ready to share his wisdom with us. He's ready to guide us, he's ready to inform us, he is ready to enable us to make the decisions which will cause our lives to flourish just as the kingdom might. You know, the reality is, and it's a strain that runs through scripture that we as human beings need this wisdom. Do you think you do? We need this understanding which we don't have. Let me read you Proverbs 14, verse 12 exactly the same wording as Proverbs 16, 25, but it says this, there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. That's like, wow. (laughs) You know, we can think in a particular way and we think we've got it together and we have understanding, we have wisdom, but it actually is going to lead us to death, to destruction, to heartache, to pain. It's exactly what the text is saying. And the reality is, according to scripture, we often think we know best when we don't know best. Anybody willing to embrace that here today? Probably the wise and the humble among us who have learned enough of life to know that such is the case. Let me ask this question. Does your life, is your life based on your own limited understanding? Or is it based on the understanding and the guidance and the wisdom of Jesus Christ, the one who has come? And the one who has that ultimate wisdom and knowledge. For example, you know, a lot of us, I think, process the idea why are we here? You know, what's the point? What's the purpose? You know, some of us think it's, you know, for this thing or that thing. It's, it's for the sake of family. It's just for the sake of accumulation. It's for the sake of having fun. You know, the Lord Jesus comes in his wisdom, spoken through the, the scripture. It says, you know, we exist to know God, we exist to enjoy God, we exist to glorify God. We exist to do the work of God in this world. And that will bring flourishing into our lives. You know, a lot of younger people and sometimes older people now as well have to make choices about career. You know, what, what, what should I pursue? What, what direction should I go? Christ is there for us. The one who has this wisdom and this understanding about who we are and what the world needs. And he will guide us. Significant decisions. Who will I marry? That's a significant one that's a big deal jesus present in our lives to guide us what about the reality of marriage well in this culture the question becomes am i going to do it or not you know living together before marriage or not what's the wisdom of jesus versus the wisdom of the human mind the whole area of sexuality transgender reality homosexuality heterosexuality the whole gamut the world has a perspective i want to tell you the The one with greatest understanding and wisdom has a perspective that he speaks into our lives. And if we follow his guidance, we are led into blessing, into the flourishing of life. See, my friends, what happens when we are confronted with the wonderful counselor in the the manger of Bethlehem, we are confronted with the question of who will we listen to? And whose understanding will our lives be based upon? And the reality is we can base our lives upon the child and his wisdom, his teaching, his life. Second descriptor, second name is that Jesus, the Messiah, is called Mighty God, Mighty God. It's easy when you read that little phrase to think that really what's being described here is the power of the coming Messiah. It's not, it's not what it's primarily about. The focus here is on the divine nature of Jesus Christ. Do you understand that? 800 years before Jesus the Messiah would be born, the the prophet Isaiah, inspired by the Spirit of God, is saying, the one who is to come, he will have the nature of God. He will be God. He was the divine one. My friends, because he was divine, he too was mighty, he was powerful. Sometimes I want to suggest our perception of the Christ child needs to change. (laughs) sometimes we just think of that little child in the manger, weak and vulnerable, cute, you know, but the reality is that the one who lay in that manger was the powerful son of God. And, you know, I I want to suggest, too, it is way too easy to humanize Jesus too much. You know, I, I want to recognize Jesus was fully human, but he was also fully God, we have to, have to remember that, you know, the angel came to Joseph and he said, Emmanuel, he will be called Emmanuel, God with us. And he, the angel came to Mary and said, the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God in the very nature of God. And the angel came to the shepherd and said, today in the town of Bethlehem, a Savior has been born to you, the Christ, the Messiah, the Lord. The Lord, the sacred name of God is used of this little one. You know, some say that Jesus never claimed deity to himself. You know, that's just speaking in ignorance of the biblical reality. Let me read John chapter 8, verse 58 to you. It says this, Jesus speaking very truly. I tell you, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. And there it is again, the sacred, holy name of Yahweh. You know, right after that verse, if we were to read on, it actually tells us that people picked up stones to throw at him. They wanted to stone him to death because he was speaking blasphemy in their minds. And it was all ultimately because of statements like that that Jesus Christ was crucified because they believed him to be speaking blasphemy, equating himself with God. That's why they killed him. My friends, is it any wonder that the, that the wise men first sought Jesus and when they found him, what did they do? They knelt in his presence, and they worshiped him. Mary Luke 2, Luke 2, chapter, sorry, verse 11. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, of the Lord, and that's not the right verse. So I'm going to move really quickly to get it for you. It says, I'm coming to the house. They, the wise men, saw the child with his mother, and they bowed down, and they worshiped him. And they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh. You know, it's a a remarkable reality that those people encountered because as they entered into the presence of Jesus, they recognized they entered into the presence of greatness, of divinity. It is the divine one who deserves worship. I want to tell you the one Who was in the cradle was mighty God (laughs) and I want to tell you this too that mighty one dwells in us by faith those of us who have received him did you hear what I just said the mighty God dwells in us those of us who have received him This is the one who is the supreme power of the universe. This is the creator of all that exists. This is the one who has overcome the power of sin and evil and death. This is the one who has defeated the power of hell. My friends, as we enter into this season, as we contemplate the Christ child, we recognize the incredible counselor that he is, the one filled with ultimate wisdom and understanding, but we recognize too that he is so because he is the divine son of God. And I want to suggest to you that our first and primary response to Christmas this year has got to be a response of worship, of our literally bending the knee in the presence of Christ, of our giving to him everything that we have, indeed our entire life, yielding it to him in an act of loving worship. Third name given to the Messiah, the coming one, was Everlasting Father. Father. Now, please don't think here about Father in the Trinitarian sense, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Trinity, and that concept had not been revealed. That came much later in the New Testament. Father here in this context, in the day of Isaiah, essentially referred to a strong figure. It could be a dad, it could be a grandfather, it could be a ruler of some sort, but one who is strong and powerful and who is able to protect his people. And that Father was everlasting. He was an eternal strong one, an eternal leader for us. Do you think of Jesus that way? Or is he just a little baby in a manger? Do you think of the child of Bethlehem as the eternal one? Come among us to protect us and to provide for us. You know, the one who was never created, the one who has always existed, the one who will forever exist, the one who had never, who had created Time and space, and he would never stepped into it before. But in this instance, he did. Why? That the strong one might provide for those who were his. That's you, his people. That the strong one might provide hope and salvation and forgiveness of sin and reconciliation with God. That, my friends, we need. I want to also say that the eternal one stepped into time and space and that he is present in our lives to exercise his power on our behalf. I have a question for you this morning. I have several questions. But what is the biggest challenge in your life right now? Think about it. What makes you afraid? What threatens to overwhelm you, overcome you? Whatever that is, I want to tell you something because Jesus came. You have the eternal, mighty protector with you to save you. Psalm 121, verses 1 and 2. Famous psalm, right? The psalmist says, I lift up my eyes to the mountains and he asks this question, where does my help come from? Where does your help come from? Very often the question that we think is, my help comes from me because that's all I got. But the response is, my help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Who is that? <laughs> that is Jesus. And I want to tell you that Christ has come, and we celebrate that coming because in that he has come, he has come into this world to save us, to help us, to enable us, to bless our lives when we need blessed. I get up early this morning, and as, as, as I do, and I read the, on my phone the U Version Bible, Uh, Verse of the day And it was this Jeremiah 32 17 And I thought Oh I gotta read that this morning Ah sovereign Lord You have made the heavens And the earth By your great power And outstretched arm Nothing Is too hard for you I don't know what you're facing today But I want to tell you Nothing is too hard for Christ For he is the Everlasting Eternal father The one who comes Into our lives by his power, and he saves us and he protects us and he enables us. See, that one is with you and that one is for you. And whatever you face, he will deal with. And the last name given to the the Messiah to come, under the inspiration of the Spirit of God, that which would describe the person of Jesus was Prince of Peace. Prince of Peace. See, peace would one day characterize the nature of Jesus and his reign. As we talked about last week, because of his coming someday, there will be no more suffering, which war brings. The warrior's boot and the garment rolled in blood, it will be burned up and destroyed and it will be no more and it will never be again. He will change the world because he is the Prince of Peace, the ruler of peace. But I want to tell you, he is the one who would bring peace into our lives as well. Peace for me, peace for you. Another question, who's at war here? Who's at war here? you at war in your marriage? You know, one of the realities is that people can be at war in their marriage and nobody knows until a marriage fails but there are lots of marriages where people are at war and there's no peace. I want to tell you the Prince of Peace can bring peace into your marriage. He can do what you cannot do because he is the mighty, mighty God. Anybody here at war within family? You know, one of the remarkable things to me is that at Christmas time, at this time where we celebrate joy and peace, families get together and all the old baggage the historic hurts and wounds somehow seem to arise and people fight each other ho 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 it's not uncommon there are families and that's just the reality my friends people need the Lord Jesus to enter into that dynamic and bring peace you war with your neighbor Jesus said love your neighbor be at peace with them be good to them Do what will bring peace by loving. Sometimes we're at war with our neighbors. There's a senator in the United States called Rand Paul. And he was at war with his neighbor for 30 years apparently. And late in the summer, you might have heard it on the news, he was cutting his grass. And whatever happened, or for whatever reason, this neighbor decided to run at him as hard as he could and tackle him to the ground. (laughs) And who knows what happened after that. Rand Paul's ribs were broken. (laughs) He couldn't participate in the Senate for a while, and that's a big deal in the United States Senate. And the man was charged with uh, assault and so forth. Why does that kind of thing happen in our world, whether it be between individuals or between nations? I want to tell you what happens because there's something in us that's not so good about peacemaking. Very often, we're not great with peace in our relationships. And we need Jesus to bring peace into our lives. And I want to tell you, Jesus Christ calls us to this, all the world, but to his people in particular. He calls us to peace, but he does more than that. He enables us to create it. As we take the mercy that has been given to us by God and we offer it to people who have wronged us, mercy, not revenge. As we take the grace that we have experienced of God as he has showered us with blessings that are undeserved, and we show grace to others with whom we could be at war. As we take the forgiveness that has been given to us, full and complete, by God our Father because of the death and resurrection of Jesus, we take that forgiveness and we give it to people who need it. That forgiveness is that is required if we're to know peace in our relationship. We take the love of God that has been poured into our hearts, Scripture says, poured abundantly into our hearts, overwhelming love from God, <clears throat> and we love other people even people who have wronged us see my friends as we embrace and exercise the mercy and grace and forgiveness and love of Christ in our relationships we are led to reconciliation in relationships we are led to peace but of course the greatest peace that we need in our lives is peace with god the bible tells us that without christ listen to me this is striking that we are the enemies of God. I would suggest a lot of people who are enemies of God don't know it, but so scripture speaks. Let me read to you Romans 5, verse 10. For while we were God's enemies, that's before Christ came and died and so forth, which we're going to read, but while we were God's enemies, alienated from him at war with him, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son. How much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? That's the saving Jesus. I want to tell you, my friends, Christ came into this world to deal with people whose hearts were in stubborn resistance against God, who were at war in their souls with God, who refused to give God his place, who fight back against the reality of who God is. Same chapter, Romans 5, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, Our justification isn't because of works, it's not because we live good lives, it's because of the faith we have in Jesus. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. Who here stands in grace? And who here needs to walk into it? Who here has encountered that incredible grace that offers us love and forgiveness and blessing in our lives even though we don't deserve it. Who here needs to move from being at war with God to peace with him through the person of Jesus? See, the child of Bethlehem brought the possibility of peace with God. I just want to ask, are you at peace with God or are you still at war with him? I know there are people who are at peace with God in this room. The battles have ended. The war is over. The animosity, the resistance, the rebellion has been replaced literally by love and joy in Christ. But I want to tell you, if you were not there, Jesus Christ came to save. He died that we might be forgiven, that we might be reconciled with God, that we might enter into a relationship with God and know peace with him this is who Jesus is and I ask you today in all of these contexts wonderful counselor unbelievable understanding and knowledge and wisdom have you received him into your life have you let him be God in your experience mighty God he is divine and he is powerful and he is to be worshipped as God that's what this season can do, if nothing else. Let, let the season prompt you into his presence and into a great sense of awe and wonder before him. Everlasting Father, he's there for you. He is there for you. Will you invite him in? Will you let him care for you? Will you let him enable you and empower you to do what you need to do? He is Prince of Peace. I suggest to you, Christmas poses to us the question of our lives the ultimate question of our lives and that question is who is Jesus Christ and I hope you will allow the teaching of Isaiah 9 among so many other texts in scripture to allow you to see the child in the manger in the way that he is being described today the question in the end becomes what will we do with him What will you do with Him this Christmas? My prayer, my friends, is that you will encounter in the person of Christ the dynamic reality of God so much so that your life will be transformed. (laughs) You will enter into an experience of God that will change you forever and bring you to that place, take you to that place of, of living life in the way that God calls us to, the way that God created us to live. This Christmas... Let the season draw you into the presence of the one who is wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Let's pray. Lord God, we pray that we will never allow Christmas simply to be a a trite, empty (laughs) experience that is filled somehow with with experiences that are good, but Lord, a season which is void of God. We stand in your presence today and we recognize who Jesus is. We have described from Scripture who Jesus is. God, we believe these things so many of us have encountered these things and knowing the faithfulness of this God so Lord in this time and in this place we just thank you for Christ we worship you for him Lord we have such need of him in our lives and we thank you for him God for those who are here today who who aren't at that place of faith who maybe even are struggling with the the truth of scripture just work by your spirit and God help them to move forward step by step in understanding God by the work of your Holy Spirit open eyes to illuminate what cannot be seen unless you illuminate them so that people can enter into a relationship with you in a dynamic and life-giving and loving way Lord so that their lives might flourish and be transformed into what you would have them be Lord Jesus, come this season in a powerful way and reveal yourself to us again and again and again that we might be made new in you. And this we pray, Lord, in your name.